0: Hi, and welcome to the Legal Marketing 2.0 podcast, a production of Good To Be Social. In this podcast, we examine the latest trends in digital marketing. I'm Tim Barron, and I'm here with Guy Alvarez, the founder of Good To Be Social. And as our podcast theme indicates, we're going to talk about trends, and in particular, digital marketing trends to keep in mind for 2018. Not much more to be said about that, except, hey, let's get right to it. Hey, Guy, it is still early 2018. You just came back from LMA Tech. There's all kinds of stuff happening in uh, digital marketing. What are some of the trends that you see happening?
1: Hey, Tim. So, you know, usually I write a blog post every year to outline the top digital marketing trends that are going to affect the legal industry that year but this year has been so crazy that i i just haven't had the time to do it so i thought it would be easier and quicker to do a podcast about it so i guess the first one i'll start with is something i just spoke at lma tech about which is marketing automation and database segmentation and interestingly during my presentation there we pulled the room To see how many people were actually in the process of using marketing automation at their law firms and to my surprise about 30 to 35 percent of the people actually raised their hands now one of the things that i did do afterwards is talk to a few of these people and you know there were varying degrees of where they were in their marketing automation journey and how much was really true marketing automation versus using an email product that claimed to do marketing automation. But nonetheless, there seems to be a lot of interest in marketing automation at law firms and makes perfect sense to automate some of the repetitive tasks that legal marketers do in order to focus on some of the more mind intensive and uh, strategy types of tasks that only a human being can do and leaving some of the routine tasks to, to a marketing automation platform. And I think one of the things that is going to drive a lot of this is a couple of things. First is we're seeing a lot of law firm clients and specifically the big four county consulting firms, they, they are well on their way in their journey of marketing automation. So I think law firms are starting to realize that they're behind the ball, their clients are doing it, and they should be doing it as well. I think the other thing that's going to accelerate this over the coming year is people are realizing that you need a better way to track the success of your marketing and business development campaigns. And traditional metrics are no longer enough. Analytics in an aggregate are just not enough. So I think with this new technology, it'll allow law firms to track better what their clients, their prospects, and others are doing with regards to their marketing and biz dev initiatives, and also to segment their lists in a better way so that they can deliver the right content to the right people at the right time.
0: Do you get a sense of which platforms people are using? I know we've used different marketing automation platforms and then we switched to HubSpot, but we have basically fallen in love with it. Any sense of what law firms are using out there?
1: It sounds like HubSpot is a major player One of the presenters I presented with has Marketo as a platform. Some firms are looking at Salesforce as their CRM. So uh, Pardot makes a lot of sense. And then some of these email providers uh, are also claiming to have some marketing automation technology embedded. So uh, it's all over the place at this point. I think the one thing to remember is technology is sort of the easy part. There is a lot that needs to be done prior to selecting a platform one of those things is cleaning up your data but there's a lot of planning a lot of content to be created uh in order to do this right
0: let's do a podcast at some point on marketing automation yeah absolutely (laughs) all right so number two paid social social is more and more we're seeing here at the agency law firms wanting to not just engage in organic social they realize the importance of being on social media but paid social.
1: So paid social is really starting to emerge and I see more and more firms that are starting to investigate and sort of dip their toe in the water. You know, the reality is it's sort of become a requirement now, right? If you look at Facebook as a company or as a firm, it's becoming harder and harder to get your message across because Facebook wants you to pay. And so using paid Facebook, using paid LinkedIn, really enables a law firm to really widen their reach and not only widen their reach, but also target in a way that is just not possible with organic social media. Uh, That's not to say that organic social media is not important, I still believe it's very important, but supplementing organic social media with a paid social media strategy is really, you know, it gives a firm the ability to widen while at the same time sharpen their focus around a particular target audience,
0: I would say that becomes even more important with the chain, recent changes in the newsfeed. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we've seen organic social uh, Facebook go all the way down in terms of reach, so paid social becomes so much more important. I would say a mini trend that could come out of the changes in Facebook newsfeed is more and more firms switching or not switching, but adding groups like Facebook groups to it. Cause you have more engagement there. Absolutely. But speaking of Facebook, Facebook live and uh, smartphone video.
1: So that, you know, video is nothing new. I think law firms have been doing video now for the last 10, 12 years. Some do it better than others. I think what's new is that more and more firms are realizing that you don't need um, a very expensive setup and all these cameras and very high level of different cameras and, and photographers and, and the like, we're getting more and more firms that are basically saying, help me to shoot video on my iPhone or my smartphone and then help me to produce it so that it looks good. And, and I think, you know, with the explosion of YouTube and, and people getting used to more of that genuine video, right? It doesn't look produced. It looks more genuine. It looks more authentic. Authenticity is is big on the web. And then the the spontaneity of a product like Facebook Live that enables you to very quickly roll out a a webinar or roll out uh, a presentation. I think those two things are really going to make a difference this year. And I think firms that haven't done video are going to jump into it because of how sticky it is, especially on social media. And I think that uh, even firms that have been doing video for a long time are probably going to start experimenting with uh, this more authentic, spontaneous type of video than what we've seen in the past.
0: I tell you, lawyers are and not just lawyers, but just everyone in general or so image conscious when you go on, on social media. So the idea I'm doing a live video. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's scary. It's a little scary. <laughs> Absolutely, it's um, scary. <laughs> so podcast. We've talked about podcasts, I and mean, we have seen. I guess a lot of these trends that we talk about. This is based on our own experience yeah. too. I mean, we've seen a huge uptick in
1: podcasts. Yeah, man, yeah. Man. I, you know, podcasts. Podcasts is almost like the 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 uh, a, a rebirth, right? Yeah. It, it it was popular, you know, five ten years ago. Uh, to a very segmented audience and then it kind of went away and now it's back stronger than ever and it's almost every day that we get requests uh, from people to be on their podcast or uh, we get asked if people can be on our podcast Uh, we get asked from firms to help them produce podcasts Uh, in fact we just started to work with the Southeast chapter at LMA to help them with their own podcast so You know, podcasts is a great opportunity. It's it's sort of an easy way to create content and it lets lawyers who hate to write to actually create content by speaking. And then the other nice thing about podcasts is it's much harder to copy, right? Or to steal. It's easy to copy and paste someone's written content, but it's much more difficult to do so when you're speaking it or if you're on video. So I see more and more podcasts Coming this year, I think more and more firms are going to experiment with podcasts. You know, while they're easy to do, there's a lot to it, and we get better every time we do it. We've learned a lot, and I think firms need to make sure that if you're going to do it, you've got to do it right, and you've got to really know what you're doing and differentiate, differentiate yourself in the market, not just be another me too.
0: Absolutely, and this is a perfect example of how podcasts can come in really handy when you don't have a lot of time. You know, certainly if you have someone doing some post-production work, this episode, I mean, sitting down to write it, would you know, do some research and, you know, just actually writing the, the post, take about an hour, right? Yeah. We can uh, knock this out in about 20 minutes. So, and guess what? We get a blog post out of it, too, when exactly. we put it up. Yeah, exactly right. I really like this next one. Uh, and I think it's related to marketing automation, which is uh, the client journey and how you personalize that.
1: Yeah, so here again, it's something that I'm hearing more and more uh, within uh, the CMO and the legal marketing uh, circles. You know, uh, people talking about the client journey, people understanding that you know the the, the purchase of legal services is is something that takes time, uh, especially if it's a sophisticated type of service, and so a client or a prospective client. May not be ready to hire you right away. They may be just gathering information. They may be looking to see if a particular regulation or a law that has changed or a new court decision, you know, what kind of an impact in their business that's gonna have. And so, you know, being able to provide content across this journey from awareness to research to qualification. Even beyond the hiring process and enhancing the overall experience, it's really important to personalize the type of content that firms deliver both to prospects and to clients. And I feel like the more that you can personalize, the more that you can feed the right content to the right people at the right time, the more successful you're going to be. this is not just for prospect, but also for clients. You know, Clients are always saying that they're looking for that added value and it's becoming harder and harder for law firms and lawyers to differentiate themselves. So being able to provide value through information in a way that doesn't require a lot of a lawyer's time is really a great way to, to add value to the clients and to differentiate yourself from others. So I think we're going to see more and more of this personalization that is driven by the client journey. Certainly the savvier firms understand this and they're starting to pick up on it.
0: Now putting it all together, it's it's all comes down to measurement,
1: right? Yeah. So you do all you
0: do all this work, you want to know what's working, what's not. It comes down to analytics. Like what are some trends in digital
1: marketing analytics? So I, I think the big difference there is people moving, not moving away, but wanting to add more information than what they're currently getting from the web analytics, right? From your web analytics, you're getting information in the aggregate. You're getting total number of visits, total number of uh, page views, uh, amount spent on time, but it's not personal, it's, it's an aggregate. You know, you can see what pages people are reading, you can see where they're coming from, what channels, but you can't tell what Tim did when they came to my website and what Tim did three months later and six months later. And so that's really the difference with digital marketing analytics is really being able to see across all channels, including offline channels, you know, how successful your efforts are from a business development and marketing perspective. And really trying to figure out what works and what doesn't at the individual level, which is so much more powerful. You know, as we were talking about personalization, if you have if you don't have data, how are you going to personalize that journey? How are you going to know what that person is interested in, and when the right time to pick up the phone and call them versus send them an email versus invite them to a webinar? So, you know, to me, this is really not just for this year but this is where everything is heading. the ability to really measure and analyze and glean actionable data from this is really you know where this is headed you know i'm really trying to stay away from ai or artificial intelligence in this
0: conversation because every trend you see has at least an element but you see some of the elements of that in and and tying some of these aspects together, you know, like marketing automation,
1: segmentation, some of the analytics that you get. Sure, and you know, know, AI is described by different people in different ways. Uh, Is it machine learning, is is it more than that? But I think, you know, as it applies to digital marketing, um, there are some things that that you can do and that are already in play. And a lot of them come across the the marketing automation uh, Perspective, yeah,
0: yeah. So one of the trends that I that I am really excited about is semantic SEO, just because I think a lot of folks try to sort of really narrowly push a keyword, or uh, and, and then it becomes like unreadable, or even in a meta description or in the title, and you know right away. Well, you know it when you see it. So the idea of semantic SEO is really awesome. What's that about?
1: Yeah, so I think we did an episode in the past about it, or we might have mentioned it, but you know, semantic SEO really is changing the, the, word, the world of organic search. As Google becomes smarter, as the algorithm starts to change more and more, it, 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 they're doing this so that it's easier for the end user to put in a search and find the type of content or information that you're looking for. So rather than focus exclusively on keywords, semantic SEO is focused more around topics, right? And just as an example, let's say you are a, a boutique store that specializes in selling things for the kitchen, right? In the past, you would want to optimize for the keyword, you know, kitchen equipment or best kitchen equipment or top kitchen equipment. But with Semantic SEO, rather than do that, you can have your one page about kitchen equipment, but then you can write blog posts about knives and cooking utensils and microwaves and refrigerators and pots and pans. And Google will know that all of these things relate to the kitchen. And so it'll enable you to have a much richer visitor experience while at the same time, enabling you to rank highly in the search engine results. So it's a different approach. It's a better approach. I think it's a, it's a much – it makes a lot more sense for law firms, especially corporate law firms, to go after this approach because a lot of times we're not just looking for keywords. We're looking at more concepts and ideas that are sophisticated, and taking this approach I think will help significantly. Do you think – voice search has anything to do with making that more prominent? Absolutely. With the explosion of Siri and Alexa and Google Home and uh, all the, you know, think about it. Most of us ask questions. So um, writing blog posts or creating podcasts that ask those questions and answer those questions, that's going to be really powerful from a search perspective. So yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely.
0: All right. One more, uh, the crackdown on data, collection. this is a little bit, um, yeah. a little bit different. The crackdown on data collection in Europe or GDPR, is that
1: what it's called? GDPR it's come data. across my,
0: my Twitter feed, but I haven't really read it. Yeah.
1: Well, so I think unfortunately, I, I don't know if I call this a trend, but it, it is a reality. And it is a reality for more and more companies and firms that are doing business in Europe. Um, and that is, you know, the new rules that, that the European Union around privacy put down around around data collection are definitely going to have an impact on all these things that we talked about, right? If we want to personalize your experience, if we want to get more data, but at the same time remain compliant with these rules, it sort of becomes a challenge. And um, in fact, at the uh, LMA Tech Conference, the keynote speaker was some HubSpot, and one of the questions that keyword status is, how how is HubSpot dealing with GDPR? And it's definitely something that they're working on and they don't have an easy answer. But I think, especially for large global multinational firms and businesses, GDPR is going to have an impact and it remains to be seen how and how much, but I think it's something that we need to consider and put out there as something that digital marketers will need to think about. So going to wrap up, how do law firm marketers,
0: I mean, there's so many trends and new things to do and new things to consider. What would you say to law firm marketers to not be overwhelmed and
1: and, and how to go about adopting some of these newer measures? So I think two things. One is you don't have to do it all, right? Just because there's all these things out there doesn't mean you have to try them all or do them all. It's better off to take an approach where you try one thing, you measure it, you see how well it does, and then you move on to the next thing and sort of figure out where your sweet spot is and what works for your firm and for your culture. At the same time, I think that there is this term in the uh, software development industry called agile, uh, which means rather than approach things as, a large project that takes six months to a year is to try little experiments um, and try these things, see how they work, see if you fail at it or not, and learn a lesson from it and then move forward from that. So I think, you know, becoming agile in in legal marketing is something that I think more firms and and, and more marketing uh, directors need to learn. You know, you can't take a whole year until your website is built to try some of these things. Uh, You don't have a year. Your competitors are out there and they're doing things right now. So can you really afford to wait a year to try some of this stuff because you haven't rebuilt your website or, uh, you you know, so that's the one thing I would recommend is with this technology is real little experiments, uh, try things out quick wins, quick failures even. Yeah. You can learn a lot from that rather than, you know, the slow traditional waterfall approach that just doesn't work anymore. Absolutely, I mean, we were just pointing to a little change we made in our
0: newsletter. Yeah. We saw like a huge uptick um, just in two weeks, you know? So, great advice, go a little bit at a time, don't be overwhelmed, and there you go, the eight digital marketing trends for 2018. Thanks, Guy.
1: Thank you, Tim.
0: Thanks, everyone. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. And we'd love it if you also left a review for us on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Stitcher and SoundCloud and Google Play and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you go, I do want to ask you a question. Do you struggle with digital marketing and how to make it work for you and for your firm? If so, please go to lawfirmmarketinghub.com and sign up for a free digital audit. The audit will provide you with all of the information you need to build a blueprint for your digital marketing strategy to produce the results you want. You'll find the show notes for this episode along with all of the Legal Marketing 2.0 episodes at GetToBeSocial.com. Thanks for listening.